0: Welcome to Spirit in the Schools, a show revealing the Holy Spirit through self-gift and education. And now, here's your host, Mr. Zach Coyle.
1: Spirit in the Schools! Welcome back to Spirit in the Schools, welcoming today's guest, Justin Aquila. Thanks so much for joining us. For any parents that might be listening have you ever wondered, how might you increase your own faithfulness before the Lord? Or have you ever wondered, hey, for my child, how could I get him or her to be more faithful? Today, we are going to offer some potential answers to that question. It has a lot to do with relationship. So I'd like to reintroduce Justin. He is a friend and colleague at St. Vincent's. He is our pastoral associate there. And he is also a host of 10,000 Places, current adjunct professor for University of St. Francis, and a former university professor and high school theology teacher. Welcome to the show,
0: Justin. It's great to have you on. Great, uh, great to be on today. Thanks for having me.
1: It really is a joy, and I, I, you know, I truly admire the background that you have, which is a great place to start. So you have talked, we have talked together before this this uh, episode. The idea that relationship with uh, with others is a key ingredient to our relationship with the Lord. And you've even talked about it maybe being a missing ingredient in some cases, right? So I'm, I was just going to start with when you've been teaching students, so, you know, adult learners at the college mm-hmm. level, high school teens, uh, you know, how did you first encounter that? That relationship was the was the number one element that you were going to want to work on and develop.
0: Yeah, I think that's largely born from my own experience. Um, as I was reflecting, particularly on my childhood and the way I was I, I grew up, Uh, I was realizing the impact specific people had in my life. And oftentimes, I couldn't remember um, specific um, things they taught me, but I remember the qualities of the relationship. Yes. And some of my favorite teachers were the teachers that I had relationships with, the the mentors that I uh, established relationships with, or just even the experiences um, that I had with somebody who had came – so maybe I should back up a little bit. My my dad was a college professor and used to right, drag me at a young right. age to to lectures. Okay, and I remember one lecture. Um, a guy named Joseph Seifert, who's a philosopher, was giving the lecture, and he said um, at the beginning of the talk, there was another ten year old there. Sure, and he said, if my I will consider my talk successful if these two ten year olds remember one thing. Oh, nice! <laughs> what a great litmus test. Yeah, I know. That's the one thing I remember though. That right. he said that I right. remember nothing else. But you do have so that I one. I remember that experience right. and and that's probably a, those experiences are probably big reasons why um I you know, entered the world of theology, why I was interested in teaching, things yes, like that. That's
1: awesome. You know, I think that the the old adage comes to mind that we will forget what somebody might say but we'll never forget how they make us feel. Yeah. And and to really actually help us know that when we're relating with others, people will forget what we tell them, but but not how we make them feel. So yeah, that's yeah. that sounds like you've yeah. lived that, oh, which, I is, love that, which yeah. is pretty cool. <laughs> well, so as a, as a teacher then, you've talked to me before about probably the number one thing. If we're going to actually increase faithfulness, if we're going to really make a difference in the faith life of the person that we're serving, the only way that that will endure is if they develop a relationship with our Lord, yeah, right? Yeah. That they actually— Maybe they came with one, and it right. deepens. Maybe they didn't come with one, and, and, you know, you're working on building it from the scratch, you know, from the ground. But let's, I, I really did want to ask you about that. Yeah. Like, how did you start that work? And, and when you're thinking about as a teacher, how do you invite a relationship to Christ? What, what were some of the tactics you would use teaching that? Just
0: walk us through any, any kind of strategies you were using. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the, the, the nature of faith, uh, um, another word for faith is trust. And in fact, the the documents, uh, papal documents on discipleship and evangelization always talk about leading per, a person to entrust themselves to Jesus Christ. Right. So in order to—we we can trust things and institutions, sure, uh, but really, fundamentally, we trust persons. Yes. And so that's the, the personal element of faith always comes from the, uh, the fact that I'm entrusting myself to this person. Right. So we, we build that— With human beings, we can build that with God uh, through really concrete acts of building trust. So whether it's a colleague like yourself, Zach, uh, or your spouse, like my wife, like there are different things every day um, when I'm doing, when I'm following the life of grace that I do that builds up that faith. Sure. Sure. In, in that person um, and their ability to trust me and my ability to trust them. And, of course, because we're sinful human beings, we can also do things that can, mm-hmm. can move o- right. us away from that trust right. and faith. So that's that's the big picture. And then so I, I like to take that, um, that same thing and really try to, if you will, win over students yes. by trying to present myself, again, with the lots of help from the grace of the Lord. As someone they can they can trust, a yeah. trustworthyness. Amen. Witness. I like that. It's um, an awesome way to word. Yeah, it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. We got. I got to think about that for the school. Like, Amen. I got seven hundred sixty-three hearts to go win over. I yep, love it. Yep. It's, and it's good. slow work. <laughs> yeah. It, you know. Yeah. Thank you for actually. There's a lot of wisdom right there, and I just want to pause because a listener might might be thinking about. Okay, win over heart. Thank you for adding that. It's slow work, right? This is not something unless the Lord wills a particular right. miracle. That's just going to be a snap of the fingers. Done right. I had yep. one conversation yep. with this person, and, and bam, they are madly in love with the Lord. Right? <laughs> right, but you can invest a year, and I think in your case, you've had multiple years at times, mm-hmm. right, with students. Mm-hmm. So yeah. years, and 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 you're still making progress, but slowly. Right? right. Yeah. Right. That's a that's a really important thing to reflect on. All right. So, well, winning over. So, I, my sense in talking before the episode was that when we think about teaching theology, or uh, if we just use the term mm-hmm. religion for grade mm-hmm. schools, but there's some part of the faith that we're, there's some catechetical knowledge we're going to share. So, you know, we're going to learn the Ten Commandments, right? Okay. But you've had this shift in your heart where certainly we need to learn, and I'm just using that as an example, you know. Yeah, we need to know what the Ten Commandments are. It's really important. You know, we need to know what the two greatest commandments are. We need to know what the fruits of the Holy Spirit are, Mm -hmm. any of that. Mm -hmm. But you had this realization that if there wasn't relationship, I I think almost this might sound kind of blunt, but— no one would really care what yeah. the Ten Commandments were right. or really care what the right. fruits of the, right? So that what motivates you to care about that is, is frankly love. You see somebody showing you love as, as a teacher or as a parent, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but then ultimately the Lord, you start to understand Jesus actually is real and, and loves me. So the question, I mean, I'm I'm kind of running with that, but like how in your teaching did you realize that? You know, I think that's a deep realization, I don't know that I've found that from every teacher of religion I've ever encountered. And, but yet you, like when I met you, you, that was like fundamental to your approach. Like, how did you come to have, like, did God just give you that (laughs) grace or like, how did you realize that this was needed?
0: Yeah. So, uh, the three things come to mind. Um, the first was uh, my own encounter, my own personal experience of personal relationship between personal relationship with Jesus uh, and, the, and the, the whole Trinity, really, because Jesus leads us into a relationship with the Father and the Spirit. Amen, right. But also yeah. um, uh, my prior experience. So when I, I did have this, I, I mentioned relationality was always very important to me, but um, I did come to my initial study of the faith as trying to solve a whole series of questions that I had. About the meaning of life. Uh, September 11th was very kind of traumatic for me when I was a, a, a high schooler. Uh, why Where is it were evil you in, in the, the country world? there? Yeah, I, I was in the Midwest. Yeah. I was in Michigan. I've seen this attack. I've seen it. Yeah. My family in New York. Uh, my dad's originally from Brooklyn. Um, but it was, yeah, the, that encounter with, <clears throat> with deep evil. So a lot of my experience of studying theology initially, both in undergrad and graduate school, was working out my own my own kind of theological. Questions, problems, yeah. challenges. Yeah, uh, and I, I took that mindset into my first couple of years of ministry and teaching. And then I went to this conference um, in Steubenville, the Bosco Conference, and a bishop got up, uh, Bishop David Ricken from Green Bay. Okay, and he he spoke about what I later learned is something called the charisma, the core of our of our faith. And he he boiled everything down uh, to the most essential aspects of the faith. We're created in the image and likeness of God great mm-hmm. good, but something's gone wrong, uh, to use the language of Scripture. We've we've been transferred kingdoms from the kingdom of, yes. of God to the kingdom of the enemy. Our faith and the, vocabulary is some of the richest that it, there could be. It really right? is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Jesus has to rescue from us. Yes. And, and I've heard all that in different ways, but hearing him speak in a particular way at that moment was really powerful. And then he did something that I've not heard Catholics do much of. He invited us to respond in that moment. Or renew or entrust ourselves again to Jesus, okay, because of the goodness that He had shown in rescuing us. Yes, and it was it was a moment of desperation for me because I was actually struggling in ministry and I wasn't sure where my fruitfulness was. And, right, and um, it was like everything in my prior formation at that moment of entrustment to Jesus, as the bishop was actually praying for everybody, is like in those following weeks and months after that, everything in my prior formation snapped into place. Wow, and I I started to understand. Oh, this is how the faith is all connected. Yes. So then that led to uh, another realization and some training in, in the um, in understanding the catechism of the Catholic Church and how it's laid out and four pillars. Okay. And the actually the ordering the church is very wise in this. The ordering of those four pillars matters. So the the, the pillars of the catechism, for those of you who don't know, are rooted in <clears throat> Acts uh, two forty two. Thank you for uh, just teaching all of us. I'm, I'm, I need to sharpen my
1: own understanding.
0: Yeah, so it's not like something the church just, just made up. It's yeah. rooted in the scriptures. Yeah, um, and so the the first pillar is the teaching of the apostles, the creed. Right. The second is the breaking of the bread, the sacraments. The third pillar is the moral life, which in the Acts two forty two is, um, you know, the the fellowship mm-hmm. uh, uh, is often translated. And then the the fourth is prayer. Right. And and someone pointed out to me, and this really was revolutionary, that the first two pillars, um, teaching of the apostles and sacraments, are study of what God has done for us. Yes. And right. the second okay. two are moral life and our prayer, are our response to what God has done for us. Yes. Amen. And just orienting that, that's relational language right there. Yes. And um, it, it shows exactly the, the whole movement of the Christian life. Yes. I'm learning what God, and so this is what I try to do with students. I'm learning what God has done for me so that, and I'm constantly, when I teach, inviting that response. And That's beautiful. And everything I do. I love that starting, well, of
1: both points, but starting with, because if you look at life with faith, everything, everything that could possibly be good or, or clearly is good is from God, right? right you know, all right. goodness all is good from God. Good, yeah. Yep, yep, awesome.
0: Yep. The, the third thing, the last thing I'll just throw in there, too, is um, uh, I've learned mostly as a parent, um, but when I apply this lesson to so many other areas of life, it seems to ring true. Right. And that is um, behavior follows identity. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'll give a quick story. My my daughter, who's um, now 11, but this is about a year ago, um, she was starting to become interested in uh her ethnic backgrounds. Okay. Yeah. So my wife is, is heavily German. My family's Italian, um, by ethnicity. Although there's, I have some German in me, which I don't like to admit all the time, but (laughs) (laughs) my, uh, daughter was interested in kind of exploring that. And she picked up that, um, in a conversation, somehow that Germans were very organized. Okay, my right. daughter's not very organized. Okay, sure. <laughs> so one day she was kind of playing around with what it meant to be German, and so she went up to her her uh, bedroom. She just disappeared, and she never cleans her room on her own. Right. Okay. Um, yes. Never. So we were, Monica, my, my wife, and I were like, "What is what's happening?" But we're not going to mess with it. Yeah. Uh, she comes. Cecilia comes out. She's got the whole room organized. Then she's got uh, labels put on her drawer. Like, like, I mean, this is sure. a serious organization. Yes, yes. Okay. Pens in the desk, you know, right. the desk drawer, and we're like, Cecilia, why, why did you? We love this, but you know, what, yes. why did you clean your room? Right. Well, I'm German, and Germans are organized. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and I, I noticed that that kids, right, they experiment throughout their lives, like one week they're the superhero and one week they're mm-hmm. their favorite whatever. Because right? the behavior because follows the, behavior, the identity. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and and so much of that is true for our own spiritual life, right? Yeah. When amen. We're, we're sons and I'm daughters. I'm learning of from God. you right now, by yeah. the way. I love this. This is outstanding. This is we, great. We act differently when we're son when we recognize that we're a son or a daughter of God. Yeah. And live in that identity, like know that.
1: Yeah. And you know, tying back to just kind of an earlier topic of today, so that identity has to be informed by relationship. Yes. And that was really what you're talking about with uh, directly with your teaching experience. But remind me of the bishop's name at,
0: at the St. John Bosco Conference. Yeah, Bishop David Ricken, He's the Bishop of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay. Wisconsin. Yeah. So
1: Bishop Ricken just this this thought about, you know, something in, in your journey led you to want to be in this conference, mm-hmm. right? Probably. Others telling you about it. Like, yep. I mean, maybe, of course, you can find it online. But then here is one of the successors to the Apostles Inviting you yet to a further relationship, yeah. and that that was a moment for you that transformed. It sounds like, yeah, kind of your understanding. Yeah. So it is this idea of relationship, which again, for a parent listening, and we think about how do we increase faithfulness for your own child. Obviously, we're going to be giving you a little bit more clarity on that, but some <laughs> some relational advice, and it's really a neat story about uh, behavior following identity. So thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you know one other thing, just for teachers listening, I, I really want to ask, just admiring your pedagogy and, and your knowledge. So as you learned this, that if we're actually living that relationship, so we're teaching what God did for me, Mm -hmm. we're inviting a response. It's a whole approach, right? So I guess this is already kind of the answer, but what advice would you give somebody doing that? So especially maybe if they have, well, I I shouldn't say especially, I mean, every age and every grade needs this, uh, but is there a way that you would, is there a practical tip you might be able to give them about how do you do that in your planning or in your, you know uh, in your approach to the class design, is it something you just mm-hmm. start out every class mm-hmm. with speaking to? Is there a certain like activity you can do off that? How, how would that look? What advice sure. would you give them?
0: Yeah, um, I go back to what I said earlier, it's slow, mm-hmm. so so I would specifically speaking, teaching religion or theology. I think understanding the um Sophia Cavaletti, who um, developed the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, but is also an excellent scripture scholar, in her okay, own right? Um, she calls it the grand narrative mm-hmm. so i i think i always try to understand this seems really theoretical but it's actually really practical i always try to understand where whatever i'm teaching where that little piece is whether it's the eucharist or a virtue right where that fits into the grand narrative yes yeah okay of, of the larger story sure yeah well you know with a um,
1: with a narrative you start to develop i think Identity, right? So mm-hmm. you, if, yes. if you identify with that narrative, it yes. actually includes me. Absolutely. And yep. when you're saying grand narrative, I'm yep. immediately think of salvation history, Exactly, right? yep. Which is the church at work right now, right? right? right. We are living <laughs> the current moment of salvation history, yep. right? So that's actually a story meant to include every human person. So yep. then, yep. oh, grand narrative, I'm a part of that story. Right. I'm a love child of God, amen. And then, then yep. that kind of takes off. Yep. All right. Yep. So tying yep. in that day's content, back to the grand narrative yeah. and and deepening that identity.
0: Yeah, so I try to be intentional both for myself and whatever I'm planning that I'm referring back to that and I'm not teaching the student in isolation. Yeah. Um, because I think I think in my experience because I didn't used to teach this way and and I've had students just get lost and especially in the moral life they feel like um well what does the church's teaching on human sexuality have to do? It's just a set of rules. Yes. When you teach in the context of this broader story of salvation. Yeah. And I've loved for
1: years hearing that expression of rules without relationship equals rebellion. And and we see that in in teaching our faith in so many ways that if we don't, if we have that relationship, people are so excited about the truth that God has to share with us. But if they don't, you do see that immediate rebellion, you know, so it just doesn't uh, tie back. But so that's beautiful. And and just kind of a corollary to it. And I, I uh, don't know that you would think of anything immediately, but did you ever find a certain format of, you know, prayer within that classroom or, or leading the class with prayer that ever felt like it was more fruitful to you? I mm-hmm. I, I always ask that to uh-huh. um, just other teachers I meet because yeah. I'm constantly thinking about it, too. And and again, I think that idea of a slow process. So it's not that there's one magic answer. You just snap your fingers. And I, I know. But did you ever find a way of praying with your students that that you felt you could see them over time developing that identity more?
0: Prayer in the classroom is my biggest weakness. <laughs> I, okay. I'm not sure. Right. I, I've never figured that out takes how a to lot make it effective. To, yeah, sure. yeah. Um, th- that being said, I've I've had positive experiences outside the classroom. Sure, the classroom can be a very powerful way. as I'm sure you know to to build relationship. Uh, can, and yeah. mentorship with students. The beautiful thing, by the way, I should say about that is that in a school system, there's a lot of freedom in realizing you don't have to mentor every student. Um, that that. Certain students will just build trust with me and others won't. And that's fine because there's usually somebody They'll else. They'll have another mentor it. who exactly, wants to do the same mission. Exactly. Right. And, and right. so, anyway, but there, there's, in those moments of, of mentorship, I found uh, experience of, of prayer. Um, you know, someone can correct me on the theology of this. I know this is true for parents, I know this is true for godparents. So, if— if you're a parent or godparent, you can definitely do this. But but sometimes even we can say teachers at least temporarily are entrusted with some authority. So right. uh, praying over your students can be very powerful, just as we're called to pray over our children and God's awesome. children. Awesome. Yeah. Well
1: thanks. Thanks for your honesty too yeah. on, on that. You know, so it's, it's helpful to hear that. Well, so I want to tie this back again to our topic today, faithfulness, fruit of the Holy Spirit, beautiful fruit. So we've kind of learned at a core as we've we've thought about behavior following identity. How do we shape that identity somewhat? Uh, really, with relationships—that mm-hmm. who our children are relating with and who we're relating with as yeah. adults—you know—really matters. And so we might say, well, we kind of maybe knew that, you know, going into the podcast. But but I think it's really worth thinking about for a moment this question of of what motivates effective change in the human heart. And and really, one of the only answers that that really lasts and endures is relationships. Mm-hmm. So if we if we have that love shared with a parent, if we have the love of a spouse. We have love as a parent to the child or a deep friendship or whatever it would be. That changes us. yeah. And so that's a model then for, you know, our, our love with the Lord. Um, and in a sense, then kind of the level of faithfulness that we see in our life may rise or fall to the level of our relationships. Right. So for parents listening, some practical tips as to what actually might increase faithfulness. This, again, by the way, could be for ourselves or especially, you know, for our children so the, the fundamental answer is faithful witness, right? Mm-hmm. If we want to increase faithfulness, we actually need to live faithfulness. So being intentional about finding and living relationships with faithful people, you know, living the faith, uh, really will matter for that. And then modeling that for our children. So just a couple tips, and then I think Justin might have some great experience for us on this one. Uh, one of the ideas is building friendships with people who practice faithfulness. So, of course, all of us as parents want our children to find you know, other friendships that help point them to God. But we may need to look for that. We may need to look for opportunities, you know, different types of activities that we're going to enroll them in, where we see that this is fundamentally within the Catholic context, or it's with other parents who are like-minded, or it's, maybe it's a sport, but you know, the people going in are going to be living that, you know, that same virtue. So that, that would be one. Uh, but really showing your children our own prayer life and and praying with them is modeling for them faithfulness that we have to our Lord Uh, So that family prayer, but I also thought about modeling faithfulness within our marriage. So this is not simply just marital fidelity, which is obviously part of it. But if we show that our children see us with our spouse on a weekly date night, or, you know, we're getting flowers for our wife or, or just making sure they, the children are hearing, I love you. I'm glad I'm home today. That's one way that we're living faithfulness. And that, that kind of, that seeps in, in a way, you know, I think, I think over time, but the main tip would be to invest faithfulness in our children, right? So there's that classic example of, well, I've got to get to all my kids' sports games or, you know, if they're an actor or an actress, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to all their plays. Well, that's a noble ideal. And if it can work for a parent, yeah, go for it, right? Um, but actually our world, right, I think we have to be very real here, can really interrupt that. You know, it can be really hard to do that. So the tip would be to really invest just as little as even two to five minutes uh, of each day mm-hmm. or at least five days a week. And your child or children will know you're going to invest time with them to learn about their day and how are they doing? And and maybe that'll include prayer. Maybe it won't, but, but the child knows I'm faithful to you, my child. Right. So Justin, we were talking before the podcast started. I, it sounds like you have a really cool practice of this with your daughter. Would you share that a little bit
0: with us? Sure. Yeah. Um, this came from a device from a Jesuit, uh, who I worked with, um, back in Houston. And, uh, he he spoke about you know create those rituals with with your child. So my the rituals can for my daughter and I can be an outing like we go to the yeah, zoo together sure, or right. biking or laser tag or whatever. Um, but really the fruit comes in the conversations in the car. And so my my daughter eventually started naming these our famous talks. I love it. And uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And oftentimes they're they're actually really deep. And um, and sometimes. She can't see me, but I'm I'm kind of like tearing up because of something she said uh, as yeah. I'm driving, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're really fruitful encounters and they can be about, you know, an interest she has, but oftentimes um and I'm just so grateful for this, they they turn to the faith and, yeah. and she reveals aspects of her faith or asks questions.
1: And you know, I'm I'm thinking about our conversation today. So you doing that for her definitely is going to deepen her identity. She's a love child. Firstly, as she's young yet, right? Of you, right? Of you and your wife. Yeah. But then that makes it so much easier for her to know she's a loved child of God, yeah. our Heavenly yeah. Father. Right? Yeah. What a what a beautiful thing yeah. to hear yeah. that. <laughs> I I don't my you know my own children are so young yet, but there's there's moments of beauty and maybe what they do, but I don't I don't quite have that depth yet of the uh, of the age, you know. Yeah. But um, one of the things we do. Uh, so my son's going into second grade, which I know you know, but you know we pray a couple of decades on the way in uh, to school, and we always stop at the oratory first. And I do hear about his life and I cherish that. And Mm -hmm. so when you were sharing that, you know, you might have that moment of tearing up, it's like, that's the love of a father. That's really, that's really powerful (laughs) stuff. I love it. Can I just
0: emphasize something you said as well? Um, Sure. Yeah. Because I think it's, it's really important. You mentioned, you know, being part of a community of witnesses or being around other witnesses to your faith. And that, that was so important for me growing up is, is um, every parent's fallible, right? Right. And, um, And it's so important to have a community of witnesses that can uh, illuminate different aspects of what it means to be faithful to God and to to a marriage and to all sorts of things. Um, And I say that saying, you know, there's no slam on my parents at all, right? In fact, I'm incredibly grateful that they seem to recognize that that in my my childhood, my siblings and I needed other other mentors. And so... um, well, and that's why you know in our institutions too, hiring uh, and I know this is mm. important to you. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yes. hiring for yeah. hiring witnesses is, is so important as well as the technical. We want excellence in the technical skills. Right. But but uh, the number one need to, is always yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah. right? And if yeah. we have
1: people who are on fire for the Lord, yeah. Then everything else will work because yeah. that's why we exist as a school, as church, yeah. as Absolutely. community, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I love that yeah. you <laughs> add that because it it really does allow us to know that um, there have been certain saints that seem to have attained particularly more at the end of their life, you know, that that grace, that they were not really showing the fallibility. But right. in general, for most right. humanity, right, right. we <laughs> have that. So we, we need to plan for that. And I yeah. I do see that because you can have a child who might be frustrated because, you know, maybe they didn't understand an assignment and it led to conflict with the teacher. But then it's some of the other teachers they see that day who helps them restore that right. and then restore their belief in them in themselves yep. and ultimately goodness and faithfulness. Yep. Same for us as parents. We do need that cloud of witnesses. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Well, we always like to close with just reminding our listeners, uh, one of the joys about this podcast is to really just pause and think, what does actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit even mean? And I love that our catechism gives us that. So it's the observable behavior of people who have allowed the grace of the Holy Spirit to be effective in them. And it's rare in our faith that we actually have that type of wording, observable behavior. Our church is actually reminding us we can see God When you see faithfulness lived out, that's actually an observable behavior of the grace of God. That's that's one of the persons of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, in action. And so that's a beautiful thing. And I think in this conversation, Justin, I can't thank you enough because that certainly has been as we thought about faithfulness. You've had so many elements of sharing that. So I really want to thank you for coming on today. And so for all of our parents, we thank you for listening. We really hope that some of these tips will help you see greater faithfulness hopefully in our own hearts, in my own heart, but in the hearts of our children. May the Lord so bless us. Thanks for listening. We'll get you next time.
0: Thank you. You've been listening to Spirit in the Schools. Zach Coyle has been your producer and host. This episode was edited by Tony Marks. And for more information, go to Spokestreet.com slash spirit.
1: Spirit in the Schools.